and welcome to the Actual Astronomy Podcast. This is episode seven. We're on seven now, right? Uh, something like that, I think. Yeah, seven. Sounds good. Yeah, so we're still, uh, you know, kind of sorting out how we're doing this, but we seem to be able to produce these at a regular interval. And I don't even think they've made it up yet, but uh, we're kind of getting a bit of a backlog of material, which is really awesome. So I know that you're working really hard on getting those actually uh, put up and onto the, the internet for download chain. So, yeah. so do you ever feel, Shane, do you ever feel like you are living in your own little universe? <laughs> well, uh, given the pandemic, uh, yeah, right now I kind of am. <laughs> so, so kind of speaking of the sort of relaxed slash maybe like Hawaiian shirt themed nature of our podcast. Um, last week I made a mistake and I knew I made a mistake when we were, when we were recording that one. And you had mentioned something about uh, about the size of the universe, or kind of sort of asked me a question mm. about the size of the universe when we were we were talking about like beginner uh, astronomy topics, and and I came off with um, I think I said that the galaxy, our galaxy, sorry, the size of the galaxy, our galaxy, the Milky Way, and I think I said it was a hundred astronomical units, which which is very small for for a galaxy. Actually, it's more like the size of the solar system, or or more like on a solar system scale, and of course. The actual size of the galaxy is uh, is a hundred thousand light years across. So I thought, oh man, I should tell Shane to to edit that out because I didn't that didn't sound very good. But then I thought, you know what? We'll leave it in. We'll just we'll just leave it in. We're not uh, doing much editing and re-editing and remastering and trying to achieve some sort of plastic perfection here, eh? For sure, you know. And I think probably just good practice for us uh, is if we. Uh, become aware of you know something we said that's inaccurate we'll just correct it in the following yeah. podcast and that just move on yeah exactly so moving on <laughs> did <laughs> do you have any new gear or i know in the preamble you were you were very eager to say that you you received some sort of email here i'm excited to hear about your email that you received. yes so as we've been talking about uh, in a few previous podcasts i ended up ordering a takahashi uh, 76 DCU with the 1.7 Q extender. And this is the and refractor, the little refractor. Is, yes, three. this is my little travel telescope that uh, will probably actually end up getting an awful lot of use uh, for my backyard. About a three inch refractor, which is uh, the diameter of the lens. And then the length of the telescope is, uh, I think it's about uh, three feet long or something like that. Yeah, yeah, something. something. Three feet? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I ordered that a couple weeks ago and I received an email on Friday that it is shipping tomorrow. Ooh, exciting. I'm very excited. So right now with the pandemic, uh, you know, I think Canada post is a little inundated with lots of deliveries. Um, so I'm not sure if I would get it in sort of what, you know, we'd consider normal time. Uh, yeah. So fingers crossed for this week, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if it fell into next week sometime. Yeah, I mean, people need things like food and surgical yeah. masks and hands well, and toilet paper right here. Yeah, exactly. Like there's there's more important things on the go out there. So wow, that's that's pretty exciting. So did you order anything else with it, or is it just the scope? Like, did you get the two inch eyepiece uh, adapter? Or no, you, no, right? none of that yet. I did. Uh, I did get. Uh, a Vixen HR2 2.0 millimeter thrown into the okay. purchase as well. But okay. as far as the telescope goes, it's really just the OTA and the extender. 
Um, I don't, I don't have rings. I don't have the, the tube holder or the clamshell uh, that Takahashi sells. I'm hoping to use uh, an old equatorial mount that I have for uh, one, of the, one of my classic telescopes, the Takahashi TS-65. Mm-hmm. Um, if that doesn't hold it, then I'll have to make get a decision pre- if I get the Takahashi. Rings. You get the Prima Lucha lab rings. You like the color, I think. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. Red, red just isn't my thing. <laughs> but... Um, uh, yeah, if, if it won't fit in my, in my old EQ mount, Equatorial, um, I'll have to make a decision. You know, do I take the plunge and get the Takahashi clamshell, which you no, told me don't do that. quite a bit and you don't recommend it. I don't like it. Yeah. 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 So then. Love they, the Takahashi telescopes. Don't like the World War II era <laughs> three pound clamshells. I know some people love them. I'm not a fan. Yeah. So um more to come on that um i you know fingers are really crossed that it just fits in my old mount and i can start using it right away i'm sure there won't be any problems whatsoever in getting a brand new telescope uh to fit into a mount that was made before your birth (laughs) yeah i know i'm a little worried so speaking of the uh and i'm i'm eager to hear about the the vixen hr uh, two millimeter a little bit as well. And before you tell me any more about that, I got to tell you that this week on Astromart is a 2.58 XO by Pentax. Oh. I think you should buy it. <laughs> yeah, nope, not happening. Uh, <laughs> I have, I have the, well, you know, I will have the Vixen HR here right away. I have a Takahashi 0.965 inch uh, high ortho that's 2.8 millimeter and that's enough for now <laughs> yeah. yeah good stuff good stuff so I, what's that how about you uh, did i think you received something yeah i actually got a get a got a surprise package in the mail <laughs> i referenced uh this lumicon diagonal i got a two inch diagonal quote unquote uh last week that uh well, you kindly steered me towards. So I think I kind of kind of ribbed you at that. There was a telescope store here in Canada that's uh, been having a going at a business sale, and uh, I'd been looking at the uh, getting a new Lumicon two-inch diagonal because mine's like uh, getting on to like fifteen or twenty years old, and it's got a lot of dust, seen a lot of miles, had a lot of um, you know long barlows dropped into it and other things dropped into it and uh, all our trips and everything. So I thought, you know, going to get a new one, but they're a, they're a bit of money and they can be hard to track down. And then this one was 60% off, but I only received 60% of the diagonal because I only got the, the nose piece and then the, the mirror part, but the barrel that your uh, eyepieces go into that, that never arrived right so i think i said like in our last podcast i think it was that uh, i was going to try reaching out to to the uh, store that i bought it from and so i've done that now i did that uh right after the episode and i received an email back saying you know our greatest apologies um we can either send you a different diagonal uh which was not a diagonal i wanted i won't mention the brand name but it's it's not one that i would use um two inch though uh, or we can refund your money, which don't really satisfy me because I really wanted to get a Lumicon diagonal. Mm-hmm. So I wrote back and said, well, you know, that way you guys uh, kind of lose the sale and I don't get a diagonal, a working diagonal. So I didn't want to just do a, do a refund. So what I did is 
uh, I took a look at their online store and I took a look at the new Lumicon site and I determined that what they had sent me was part of a kit for a filter slide kit for the diagonal for a visual uh, filter slide set to go into the diagonal um, when using a refractor right. which which is kind of like a rare piece of gear that I always kind of had had thought about getting until you look at the price and they're I think they're over like $500 or close to $600 Canadian and, and that's a lot for a diagonal no matter how you cut it so I, I don't think they're worth they're worth that but I noticed that suddenly on the website for this store they had the filter slide and eyepiece barrel and so I, I wrote the magazine the link I said this is the other part to the kit so you're unlikely to sell it because you know I've got the other piece kind of thing, right? Yeah. And you actually can't even buy them separate from Lumicon. They come as as a set. So if you've got the one, then it's going to be pretty hard to track down the other. I think you can buy the eyepiece and, and filter slide, but I'm not really sure how you would go about using it exactly. I guess you could put it into some sort of focuser, maybe for a Newtonian or something. But you'd have some mucking around to do I think to to get it all to work so so surprisingly they wrote me back and said hey yeah no problem we'll send it off to you so wow so, so yeah. no no charge or anything hey yeah so you know I mean fortunately the company's going to have business I would certainly buy it from them again I was I'm pretty happy with that um so yeah so it's it's sitting downstairs now and uh yeah I'm pretty excited to be able to to get to use that I've got lots of the two inch filters so you know, I hope to be able to uh, to thread those in once we are able to get back out to dark sites and and do some do some observing. I've even been toying around with the idea of getting some two inch um, color filters for uh, uh-huh. for taking a look at uh, at the planets this summer, and then you can kind of flip back and forth uh, pretty easy. So it's kind of taking my observing maybe or, or my my purchases in a slightly different direction because uh, you know, of course, uh, this is an unexpected piece piece of equipment but I don't know how portable that is like you know it's it's got I think five big sections in it because I think you leave one empty and then you can put four uh, three or four filters into it it's something like that I haven't I haven't actually pulled it all out I received it and I haven't had a chance to play with it like I said it was a little bit busier with work this week than I had uh, had anticipated which is fine Uh, it's great to be working at this time some people aren't unfortunately um so I need to I need to kind of dig in and, and kind of figure it out, but that means I might have to buy another diagonal. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the trials and tribulations. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, but having that filter slide, I think, will be you know I anticipate anyway that that will be a real nice thing to have either for the planets or when we're under some dark skies because as we've discussed before, the we don't enjoy messing around with barlows and putting filters in and taking filters out, uh, you know, under a dark sky um, while you're observing. It just takes away from the observing. Um, you know, it, it's dark, so you might drop some of this stuff and it becomes a little bit of a pain. So having a filter slide, I think, is really going to be a, kind of a, one of those quality of life improvements that you might not appreciate until you really start using it. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. It's sort of a little bit unexpected, but in, interesting anyway. So, yeah. So, I mean, Barlow's, you know, uh, we're going to talk about Venus in the next episode, but I, I was out and I actually found, because I actually thought I threw it out. I found a, a Teleview Barlow 
and uh, it was it was on my tele on my equipment shelf in a closet at the very back. And so I put a Pentax uh, 10XW in it, so two times Barlow. And I reminded myself of why I don't like Barlow so much. Wow. Do tell. Oh, is that ever uh, unpleasant to use? Like to throw, uh, you know, because most of our eyepieces, and once you've been doing this for a while, they, they're fairly large. And then once you start dropping them into Barlows, which are going to rise them up an inch or two inches above the, uh, you know, the two-inch eyepiece adapter, uh, that's in your diagonal like you, you've got this monstrosity sticking out so I took that out one night and I got I got so frustrated trying to uh, get it to work um, like the right height and like for like comfortable observing because I was trying to do some drawing of Venus um, okay. that after like 10 minutes of just not being happy with it I just took it out I went in and just got a single focal length eye piece you know and put it in and I was so so kind of, for some reason, got really enthused about using the Barlow again. And so then I went, I remembered, I, I do have a Barlow that I will use from time to time, which is an Interiors 1.6X. So then uh, I, I end up using that the past few nights. But uh, the reason why I like that one better is that uh, it's two inch. So you can put the whole adapter and everything in, and it's not quite as as unwieldy as uh, as like a narrow one and a quarter. It just feels like so rickety or something too, once you once you get it sticking up there with, with the uh, Pentax eyepiece, which is like about a three or four inch uh, long eyepiece. So, yeah. so anyway, do you like, do you have any Barlow's right now that you're even using? Well, I have a, a Bader VIP Barlow, uh, but it's, it's in a box that is, you know, stored in a storage closet and it really doesn't see much action anymore. Um, a few years ago when I ended up with my Leica Zoom, a lot of people on Cloudy Nights talked about the ultimate pairing was the Leica Zoom with the Bader VIP Barlow. Um, so the, the Bader VIP Barlow, like a lot of Bader stuff, is modular. You know, it has a whole bunch of spacers and things that screw apart. And then the neat thing about this Barlow is you can add or remove spacers to change the magnification that it provides. And then the optical quality of this thing is, you know, not, not, there's not many that really come close to it from what I've read online. Now, I haven't used a lot of Barlow's in my life, so it's hard for me to, you know, say that from my point of view. But anyway, I purchased it and, you know, kind of like what you just described about how unwieldy it becomes, uh, that was my struggle with it. Um, I should send you a photo, actually. I, my little William Optics Xenostar, the 61 millimeter. I have a photo of my, <laughs> of using the Leica with that Barlow. And the Leica and Barlow are the same length or maybe even a little bit longer than the entire telescope. <laughs> it's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and like you, um, I'd rather just grab either a zoom eyepiece or a fixed focal length and you know, swap those in and out as opposed to messing around with a Barlow. Um, maybe if I just observed exclusively with plossels or orthos, like smaller, lighter eyepieces, um, I yeah. think a Barlow is more usable. Yeah. When you get yeah. into these larger, you know, multi-element eyepieces, I don't know. I, I just don't think it's the right, the right way. At least for me, I don't enjoy observing that way. Yeah. I mean, there are, I mean, some of them are better than others. Um, but yeah, like with the, the larger eyepieces, like we're using and, and here's the thing is that, uh, 
you know, a lot of eyepieces really aren't aren't that expensive. Um, like I bought some pretty good eyepieces. Now you can get like really nice ultra wides for under hundred bucks sometimes. So I bought some of those. That's what I use a lot for my planetary observing. I think uh, uh, the one that I use is is uh, branded Mead, but I think they're they're made by a variety of or they're made for a variety of different uh, uh, companies now, and and they're awesome. And you know, it just kind of allows you to, to purchase those single focal length eyepieces. Whereas like back, at least when I was getting into astronomy, you know, eyepieces were a lot more expensive. So it made a lot more sense to, uh, to buy that Barlow lens and then you have your two or three eyepieces or whatever. But now it's like, you know, uh, I think a lot of eyepieces have become more affordable and, and, uh, and so much better, you know, so you don't have to spend as much money on those original eyepieces. And then it's kind of fun to get some and, and test them out. And after you've been doing it for a while, anyway, you're picking up eyepieces. Maybe I buy like a new eyepiece every four or five years or something now. And kind of once you build that set, you're, you've really just got that set and they're, they're still good. So, yeah. So maybe uh, just really quick, like you referenced cloudy nights and I think we've referenced it a few times before, but I don't think we ever said what cloudy, cloudy nights is. And we're not talking about, <laughs> poor weather conditions for doing astronomy. Yeah. So cloudy nights is a website, cloudynights.com. And it's largely a, a, like a community driven website. It's, it's uh, a lot of amateur astronomers, cre you know, create content and post it. Uh, but really it's, it's the forums that I like to visit. Um, there's a, a number of dedicated forums to various topics, just about anything you can imagine related to astronomy. And uh, there's a lot of knowledge and expertise in that Cloudy Nights community. So if you ever have a question or you're looking for an opinion, uh, you can go there and post it and you'll certainly get some responses. Uh, although before you even post, just do a quick search because there's a good chance somebody else has already posted a question that you might be considering. And, you know, you can just read through what people said uh, in the thread. Yeah, and it's I think it's cloudynights.com is the address and I always think of it kind of like as as a bit of a clearinghouse for amateur astronomy and um, one of the things that makes it so good as far as a as a repository for the for the amateur astronomy uh, knowledge-based community is that uh, it's very heavily moderated you know like you were saying you should go and search because if you do ask that question like if you're maybe saying hey I want to buy should I buy a Barlow lens or should I buy a fixed focal length eyepiece um, probably if you posted that, someone's just going to post you like 10 links saying, Hey, just go check these out. Like, don't waste your time kind of thing, you know? And it's really nice. But then, you know, like that would be, you know, maybe a more advanced, uh, forum, but in the beginner forums, you, you can ask that kind of stuff and get kind of more gentle, gentler responses. And then, um, you know, some of the forums are just dedicated for observing and visual observing the deep sky or observing the planets. Um, and then some of them are for sketching. I like to sketch. Sometimes I'll post on the sketching forum. Um, but yeah, when I signed up, uh, I don't know how long you've been a member, but I've been a member for I think about 18 years or something like that. Um, but when I signed up there, I never had intended to post and I read it for years before I ever even signed up. And then, uh, you know, eventually signed up because I just had a few questions I, I couldn't find the answers to. And so from time to time, I'll go through phases where I'll post and go through phases a lot of the time where I never post very much at all unless something really, really piques my interest. So, yeah. So I think that's, you know, a good, a good point to, to let people know what we're talking about when we're talking about cloudy nights. 
Yeah, good catch. Good yeah, so so Shane, you mentioned some uh, Zoom Eye pieces there. So uh, you've got uh, a really interesting Zoom. Now, how many Zoom Eye pieces do you have? Maybe you have more than that one. Yeah, I have two. Um, so I have the Leica, which I've referenced a couple times, and then I have a uh, Nikon. Oh, gee, it's a, I think it's like the MC2 or something like that. It's a nine millimeter by 21 millimeter. Okay. Piece. Is it the uh, SMC? Uh, yeah, just MC2. Is okay. what it, yeah, multi-coded two, okay. I think is what that All stands right. for. Yeah. All right. So tell us about that eyepiece. Uh, so the Nikon Zoom is designed for one of their spotting telescopes, um, like a daytime birding type of scope. Okay. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't actually adapt very well or natively out of the box. It doesn't fit in a standard astronomical telescope properly. Uh, because modern day telescopes will use either uh, one and a quarter inch eyepieces or two inch eyepieces. And this thing is neither. It's actually pretty close to 0.965, but it's even smaller than that. Oh, wow. Um, so what you have to do is on the barrel, um, you just wrap a couple layers of electrical tape on there. You know, it's black, so it kind of fits the motif of the eyepiece. And then you, you put enough layers on there to get it to that 0.965 uh, diameter. And then you drop it into a adapter that changes it from 0.965 to inch and a quarter. Okay. And it's quite easy to use in any modern telescope. Um, the, uh, the form factor of this eyepiece is outstanding. Um, I should show it to you next time we're out observing, but it's quite small. I would say it's um, similar in size to like a Mead 26 millimeter plossel, um, similar in size and weight to that eyepiece, but you have the focal lengths uh, from nine millimeter to 21 millimeter. Okay. Um, okay. I think I've heard about this one before and I think I was confusing it with the Pentax SMC. Ah, right. Yes. Yeah. This one has a little bit of a following on cloudy nights. Um, it is one of the sharpest, if not the sharpest zoom eyepiece I've ever looked through. Um, now the field of view on this one is not, is not great. Like I think it's around that 50 degrees through the entire uh, focal range. Yeah. Um, and the eye relief is, it gets a little tight, uh, but, but you know, I use glasses or I wear glasses and it really doesn't bother me. Um, but it is, uh, it's near orthoscopic sharp. Um, really? And to me, it's the ultimate grab and grow, uh, grab and go eyepiece because of its size and weight. Um, I end up using it an awful lot for solar observing with my hydrogen alpha uh, telescope. Okay. Um, because during the daytime, seeing is really not that good usually. Um, and it varies quite a bit throughout the day. So you, you're often kind of, you know, dialing your magnification up and down to accommodate some of that seeing and a zoom is really handy for that. Huh. For some reason, I, I couldn't recall you because I know there was like a year or so where I was so busy with work. I was, I was a little bit out of touch <laughs> and I'm guessing maybe that's when you, you purchased that. Well, yeah. And, and when we're out at grasslands or doing any kind of our observing, I've never taken this one out of the kit. You know, we're usually doing wide field stuff, low power. Yeah. And if I'm going to grab a zoom, I'm usually grabbing my Leica because it has a wider field of view. Um, and it goes a little bit, actually it's about the same focal length, but it's like nine to 17. So, um, but yeah, I usually use the Leica on those trips. 
Cool. So with the Leica, and I've looked through it uh, a few times. I can't remember what we looked at, but I remember looking through it. Do you ever notice, like I was reading about it recently, do you ever notice any of that edge of field brightening that people kind of mention or complain about or whatever? Yeah, I've read about that a lot. E-O-F-B, uh, as they like to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't say I've ever noticed it. Um, it doesn't stand out to me. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm if I can't detect it, because even online, like it seems inconsistent. Some people report it and it's a real annoyance to them to the point where they'll sell the eyepiece. Yeah. And then others report that they don't see it at all. And I don't know if there's like different batches of these eyepieces that cause it or, or you know, fix it. Um, or if it's just the observer's eye, you know, some people are more sensitive or maybe even the objects you're looking at. I, you know, I'm not sure, but I've never noticed it. And it, and it zooms from, what is it like? It's like 18 millimeters to like 8.9 millimeters. What, what, is, yeah. what is the range? Yeah. yeah 8.9 or 7.9. I can't remember okay. uh, to 18. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we should like do an episode on eyepieces, kind of explain a bunch of this stuff, but, uh, we won't get too far into that now, but, and it has a pretty wide field of view. I think it, it goes from like, uh, what is it like 70 to 80 or something like that? I think, I think at 18 millimeters, it's 60 degrees. And okay. then when you dial it down to the lowest, the 7.9 or the 8.9, it hits around 80 degrees. Yeah. The field of view. Yeah. Cool. You know, go ahead. And the eye relief is great. Like yeah. it's eye, eyeglass wearers will have no problem with that eyepiece. Did you have any dust specks in yours? I know that's been a problem for some people as well. No, mine was perfect. Yeah, no it, makes, at all. it makes me wonder if like maybe, I don't know, maybe some of them just got missed or they were from old stock or something like that. Because like yours, like I've looked through that, never noticed that edge of field brightening. I haven't looked through it that much, but but also like it was very, very crisp and, and clean. It's a pretty big eyepiece though, isn't it? Like sits up quite about six or seven inches or something. Yeah, yeah, it's tall and, and it's got some weight to it. Um, the first batch of them, or first few batches were made in Germany. And then the one that I have, and I think all of the ones that have been made up to this point in time um, are made out of, in Portugal. Mm. So maybe changing the factory too had something to do with these issues that people report. I'm not sure. Yeah, hmm. interesting. Um, you know, I actually own a Zoom eyepiece. Right. I remember. Is it an Antares? Yeah, it's a Spears yeah. Waller. It's a five, it's a five to eight. And it's a rather unorthodox eyepiece because when you're you're kind of zoomed into the five millimeter setting, it stands 20 centimeters or about eight inches tall. Oh wow. That is huge. <laughs> so it's a it's and it's got a bit of an industrial feel to it. Like you know, the, the Leica, but the Leica, it's, that's a pretty expensive eyepiece. That runs, what, around like $800 or something American? Yeah, something like that. And then you have to buy an adapter uh, because, again, that, that Leica eyepiece is not made for an astronomical telescope. It's made for a Leica spotting scope. Mm. So the adapter is another 100 or $200 um, for that. Mm. So anyway, so this eyepiece um, that I have, this Spears Waller Zoom, I uh, was made by Glenn Spears out of out of uh, British Columbia in Canada here, and he runs a company called Antares Sky Instruments. And so, I actually met up with him last year at the Saskatchewan Summer Star Party, and I was telling him like, I, I my um, it's got a very industrial feel to it. I think is is the way to put it, and it's got just like uh, it's got a set screw that acts as like a friction lock, so you just kind of 
turn that off and then it will just slide freely straight up and down. Um, and like if, if you undid that most of the way and you picked up the eyepiece, it would just kind of extend the whole thing out. And then it's got like this big, huge slot carved into it that that bolt just simply rides up and down on. I think what it is is he just put a barlow and then he has a series of lenses and just depending on how far you wish to vary that length, uh, will will give you a variety of different uh, uh, different focal length settings uh, for the eyepiece. But anyway, uh, mine's stuck at nine millimeters or eight millimeters right now. So, <laughs> so, so it's now a fixed focal length eyepiece. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty unwieldy. So he said to send it out to him, and he would uh, he would take take it and and give it a fix. So anyway, we'll see. But at one time I had there was. Um, a 10 and a 14 and 18 and a seven and a half. Um, and originally they came out as 70 degree field of view eyepieces. Then they reissued them as, as 80 degree uh, eyepieces. And I, I had had two or three of them and then um, I sold them. And then I bought the 10, the 14 and the zoom. And that's like pretty good range. So I had five to eight and then I had a 10, and then I had a 14, and then I had my 30 millimeter wide scan three. And so that was, uh, that was a pretty good set. But way back in the day, this is probably, I mean, this was actually, I think possibly even before I was really doing uh, much astronomy or certainly before I was in cloud nights or anything, they had made a 12 millimeter beta that somehow I had heard about like when I first uh, was online looking around and uh, and it had an 80 degree field and it, it sort of predates all those sets. And I think they're on version five of these Spears whalers or something like that. And they're all pretty good, but the eye relief has kind of come down over the years. Like the series that I had had pretty decent eye, eye relief. When I went to the next series, it was even tighter. And then the ones out now, like the, the eye relief is very tight and I like to use uh, glasses when I observe. So, so anyway, I eventually did pick up this old 12 millimeter from somebody and, uh, I still have that as well as as the uh, as the five eight. So they kind of look the same. They look like they're made out of like you know that black uh, you know kind of piping that you have in your house kind of thing, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting because I I that the Spears Whaler or Waller uh, was my first uh, wide angle eyepiece that I ever purchased. Uh, oh really? Okay. Yeah, and I had the ten, the fourteen, and the eighteen. Which and I think it, what colors? The black and orange. So I think the that black, was the okay. series two. Series two, okay. Yeah, yeah eighty-two degrees. Yeah. And um, going from a plossal, which is about a fifty-degree field of view, to an eighty-two-degree field of view. Yeah. Blew my mind. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. You know, I I had an eight-inch Dobsonian at the time, so this an eight-inch Dobsonian that doesn't track. You have to nudge it to you know track or to keep planets and anything else in the field of view. Um, using a, a plossal with a narrower field of view, you're constantly nudging that telescope, particularly when you're looking at the planets. Yeah. And then to drop an 82 degree field of view eyepiece in there and to be able to just watch the planet slowly drift across that giant field was incredible and yeah. uh, made my observing far more comfortable because I wasn't having to nudge this telescope every few seconds. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, uh, you know, I felt the same, and, and they're, like, honestly, like, I took the 12 out once uh, a couple of years ago, and, I mean, they're, like, the coatings have improved. That's, like, the biggest thing you notice when you go from 
these um, you know more vintage uh, wide fields now to to a modern one is is the improvement on the coatings. But they're pretty good on you know especially on axis and even on the edge they weren't they weren't too bad. And um, you know I, I think at the time the price on them was they weren't that much. I feel like they were like 120 bucks or something like that. Which uh, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I mean it seemed like an incredible deal when at the time I think the competition was like uh, the Nagler. Uh, whatever series and you'd be looking at hundreds of dollars for one of those. And I, I think I remember uh, owning the three or however many that I own. And I think that uh, the cost of all three of them was less than like one Naglari piece or something. I bought them used. Right. So. Yeah. So, and I, if I remember correctly, I think the 10 millimeter was a real gem out of the whole series that, you know, it, it was as good or, or, you know, maybe just a hair behind uh, the Nagler at the time. Yeah. And the, and the 12 that I have is essentially on par with the original 13 Nagler. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Incredible. It, yeah. It's really good. The coatings. Yeah. It, I just kind of, I almost wish that I could take it. And I know somebody with a coating machine um, and, and send it off, get them to take it apart. Um, make sure all the edges are like black and like, cause that might've come off over time, like clean it out and then uh, like recoat them with like uh you know, AR coatings or something like that. I think, you know, it might even like go back into service. Of course, you know, what I want to do is run a comparison because I own the Dr. 12.5 millimeter mm. and which is also like kind of a big, heavy, unwieldy eyepiece made out of, it's made of the same material they make handguns out of, I think. I mean, <laughs> like no, no joke. That's what it's made out of. Like when you see it, you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's handgun material. Um, but I want to kind of run a comparison between you know, the doctor and, and that eyepiece. Cause I think those are, that's some, that's some rare glass. I doubt that that uh, comparison has, uh, has ever been made. So. Yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that that seems like about it, Shane, unless you had anything else on the, uh, you know, the sort of talk gear episode. I'll, I'll mention one other thing again. Uh, I'm so bad at these unplanned purchases, Chris. I, you know, I really have to stop this, but when I see a deal, I can't pass it up. Uh, so I have a couple more items. Coming, oh, <laughs> coming really? In the mail. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, have you, what do you have coming? Uh, I have a two inch Lumicon O3 filter. Oh, wow. Um, Where'd you buy yeah. that? Well, it was on, uh, astrobuycell.com, which as you know, is a, a Canadian website for selling used amateur astronomy gear. Yeah. And you and I have both bought and sold a lot of things there. And, um, a person out East was, he's selling all of his gear because he just doesn't use it anymore. And I don't think he really used it much to begin with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this, this filter was too good of a price to pass up and, uh, I don't have an O3 in the two inch variety. So that, that'll be exciting. Yeah. And then, uh, I have a, a very interesting eyepiece coming from Japan. Um, this is, you know, one of the classic type of eyepieces and, uh, one of the high-end manufacturers uh, is known as GoTo Optics, just yep. G-O-T-O. Yeah, they and still. I think they still make telescopes, don't they? I think I think they do. Yeah, mm. yeah, or some form of optics. Yeah, anyway. yeah, they're they're still in business. I was I was looking at them just coincidentally this past week. Yeah. Yeah. So when when they were making telescopes, you know, in the '60s, uh, again, 0.965 inch eyepieces were the the you know kind of the standard of the day. Uh, a lot of these longer focal length telescopes came with Huygens eyepieces. And um, the, one of the reasons is that apparently, and I, I need to 
test this out for myself, that these Huygens eyepieces reduce the false color that acromats have in long focal lengths. Um, but uh, GoTo made a convertible Huygens that went from 25 millimeter to 12.5 millimeter just by unscrewing, you know, a couple pieces, removing one of the kind of probably the Barlow lens, I guess. And, um, you know, you were able to change focal lengths with just one eyepiece. Hmm. Now, everything we've talked about, you know, the, the, the futz factor, you know, this thing is fails that test, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's neat. Right. And, uh, yeah, you're not, I couldn't pass it up. You're so. not going to use this. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's one to say I have more than anything. Yeah. Again, but that, that futz factor, you know, and I mean, we, we reference that a lot. It's, you know, it's like you look at this piece of gear and you're thinking, oh, this is going to be great. And then like, and you can tell like this is, you know, oftentimes what, uh, what people who are sort of just entering um, the obsessive compulsive phase of astronomy get into. And then you're like, oh, don't, don't get that finicky, whatever. Oh no, but it's going to be great. And then they get it. And it's just like, they're calling you up and they're like, but it doesn't work and I can't get it to work or they're new. And they show up at a star party or something because they can't get whatever piece of gear working and it's it's just a lot like um especially when you're talking about like electronics in the cold and remote areas you know and always get that person who shows up with the with the go-to telescope down in like the the uh, badlands where we go do astronomy and then they're like so where are we uh what's the latitude and longitude and can we put that in here and you're like i like i don't know where we are you know like <laughs> and then you put it in and it doesn't work because it doesn't you know, where we go, there's no roads and it's just dirt roads and doesn't recognize that as an area on the face of the planet because it's so remote. <laughs> Saskatchewan, what? No, no, you must have meant St. Louis. Did you mean St. Louis? No. All right, cool. All right, well, uh, yeah, you know, I think we've got a couple ideas for maybe some future talks. I bought a couple books. I'm not gonna talk about those. Maybe we'll talk about those next week. And uh yeah, I was actually uh, ready to talk about some short tube telescopes. Do you ever own a ST80 or one of the little 80 millimeter F5s? Never. Uh, the, yours is the first one I've ever looked through. Yeah, we should talk about those sometimes. And maybe we should yeah. talk about, when we're talking so much about eyepieces, I think we should talk about eyepieces soon. <laughs> we should. Yeah, we should for sure. All right, cool. Well, thanks right, so much. Yeah, thank you, Chris. You have a good day. All right. And thanks for listening to the Actual, Astron Astron Actual Astronomy Podcast. This was episode seven.